You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this Monday afternoon via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, it is finally over. The Islanders have officially been eliminated from playoff contention after a loss in Toronto. Can't really say it's surprising. You could make an argument that they've been eliminated from the playoffs since about December. But uh, it does suck seeing it in such stark terms. And it does suck that it happened in a place that has been basically pissing on the Islanders for their entire existence and particularly in the last five years. And uh, I did not watch that game last night. I watched Rocky Four with my wife and daughter, and we had a great old time. And uh, I let the chips fall where they may, and they unfortunately fell in the wrong spot. Uh, but uh, but it just does suck kind of like the way it ended and having it ended, and now they basically got to play out two weeks of games that ultimately aren't really going to matter much in the in the long run. Yeah, it's... Uh... Part of the season that's that's been like the kind of worst part of of it being a, a cursed season is that um, it's had a a pretty screwed up sense of humor too. <laughs> like, you know, like the, there's been so right. so many moments where not only would the Islanders lose a game, but uh, you know, it would happen to the to a team like Toronto in Toronto, would, right. you know, losing this kind of game there or the. Um, the fact that Ryan Pollock, when he got hurt, was the day after or the game after he set the record for most consecutive games played by a defenseman, or Sedano Chara set, a, you know, he 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 set the record for most games played by a defenseman, and then the next game he was hurt, and so there's <laughs> there's just been these these sinister moments. Right. Uh, well, they I mean, probably you, open up an arena that we've been waiting for for thirty years, and the the guys playing in it are all, half of the team is from Bridgeport. You know, exactly. Like. 
the 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 sense of humor and it's right. a six twisted sense of humor from the season uh that and and this was kind of a, just the you know the encore maybe of a of a of the set that oh by the way yeah we this game which was i think flipped or, or rescheduled at some point ends up being the uh you know, right. of course, they were eliminated. Like you said, this this team has not been in playoff contention for months. <laughs> but you know, the official elimination game comes uh, in Toronto against the Leafs uh, in a game where they set some records as well. Mm. And um, it, so, it just really goes to show you that the Islanders and the fan base has been uh, kicked while it's been down, picked back up for a second, and then pushed back down and kicked some more. Uh, mm. And everyone's kind of just been laughing along uh, at the jokes, except for us. And, um, <laughs> you know, there's just, it, 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 like you said, I was actually, ups- I wasn't watching the game either. Cause I, you know, I kind of saw the writing on the wall at some point. Mm-hmm. You don't want to, it was, it was so annoying to hear, to see like the clinching scenarios for the team, for every team for the past yeah. couple weeks was if the Islanders lose in regulation, the hurricanes clinch, you know, whatever. It's like, you, yeah. you don't want to be that team. Um, <laughs> and so like, it, it kind of like, turns you off from even being remotely invested in watching and uh so it's like you kind of avoided the game and um when it was over though i was a little sadder than i thought i would be i guess even though i knew it was coming uh for months and months that this moment was coming but uh and the reason i think i was sad was because like it, it's a it's a checkpoint in the season uh, right. where people then start to weigh in on what to have what's going to happen or what they want to happen uh going forward and um those those moments are they only come after your team is eliminated from playoff contention or in the playoffs like they come immediately people just start weighing in and um you know you got six months to to stew (laughs) until the (laughs) islanders play another meaningful game uh so it's uh it's like one part relief and 99 parts sadness yeah, yeah. No, that is true. That is a signpost, and and not one that people necessarily want <laughs> to see. And uh, and it is funny though that like yeah, basically for the last three weeks it's been, or at least the last two weeks it's been basically what happens to the Islanders clinches playoff berths for other people because that's that's the only other team that's in within kind of shouting distance. You know, I mean, teams like the Blue Jackets and Devils had fallen off a long time, and, and the Canadians and the her uh, senators had fallen off a long time ago. So it was really just the Islanders. And, you know, when you look at things, there's a 15 point gap between the Capitals and Islanders right now. And yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big gap to make up in two weeks. So kind of the math works out just uh, kind of eye test wise, but um, as disappointing as that last game was, and if you want more analysis into that Leafs Islanders game, well, good, good news for you. Cause there's a lot of other people that are talking about it. You're not going to hear from us. Uh, I think we got, the, we got the gist of it uh, with the final score uh, being, you know, four to Toronto. Um, but uh, the week before was I actually had some pretty good performances starting with a back to back against the Penguins that the Islanders split. Uh, they actually won a shootout. <laughs> so, I mean, it took all season with the Islanders to finally win, score in a shootout and win one. And uh, that was uh, a career highlight for Ilya Sorokin, who made 43 saves in a 5-4 win. And he was pretty spectacular. Definitely one of the most curiously refereed games of the year, for sure. Uh, I found it funny when after Anthony Bavillier took his quote-unquote tripping penalty uh, when a Penguins guy stepped on the puck <laughs> uh, that the 
Penguins were called for a, a penalty a little bit after, and Mike Sullivan was literally on the, bun- the bench laughing, and then uh, there was a, a curiously yelled out F you uh, to the ref after that. Um, but, you know, they won, and, and it kept things alive for a little while uh, until the next game, which they lost 6-3, which they were never competitive in. It was bad. Um, but uh, Anders Lee kind of crashed into the net, took out Tristan Jari, and uh, now the Penguins are kind of sweating the first round of the playoffs because their goalie – might not be 100% healthy. Um, this was a huge week for the Sorokin. Uh, he put in some really, really great performances. Again, 6-3, lost the Penguins. Wasn't great, but the other games, all he was uniformly excellent in all of them. And, uh, you know, that that was another one, too. If, if that, I feel like that 6-3 game kind of like was the appetizer to Sunday's loss. It's like a team you never want to lose to. It's a huge, you know, the Caps, I think, had won that night or, or whatever. And uh, it's just, like you said, it's just, the writing is on the wall and your desire to watch the game, even though the Islanders had won the first game was like zero. And it was like, I, I don't really want to watch this. I can't, I'm not going to stand around and, and watch these guys, you know, celebrate all this stuff, knowing that they're going to the playoffs and we're not, it was, it was really no fun, but, uh, but Sorokin was great. Okay, so you, you got to give it, you got to tip your cap to him because he was fantastic, particularly in that shootout game. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, the, with, with the overall, meaning of these games being nil um the this stretch really just becomes about Sorokin and his and this stretch is part of a much bigger stretch that's been going on for a couple months now basically Mm. since they've returned home from that western conference western canadian road trip uh he's just been lights out for them and uh his 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 counting numbers are ridiculously good he's he's near the top of the league in shutouts he should have more because with his We've right. talked about he's 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 the the, the Islanders have blown a, at least two that I can think of. Definitely uh, Chicago. Definitely mm-hmm. that was in the last thirty seconds. There was the two he gave Vegas? up in five minutes. In yeah, Vegas was another. No, Vegas was he Vegas? shut out, didn't he? There's, yeah, maybe it was. There was. I feel like there was something on that first road trip. Where yeah, they, they had one. There was, was um, Chicago. There was one he gave up. They gave up two goals in Montreal in five in in under right. under five minutes because they were up six nothing. And right. Barry was like getting cute with the with the uh, power play, and right, they gave right, up two right. goals in five minutes. Right. So and, that and was Trot another said, one. Trot said it was my bad. Yeah. <laughs> that was, um, right. Yeah. So, uh, but I think that's you know the, the focus of this whole stretch is about him because he has not only asserted himself as a starter, the team starter, but I've I said this a couple times that we we don't really know where his ceiling is because he's just when you watch him like when you watch Yara Halak in, in his best uh year for the Islanders what you were seeing was a goalie who was just very sound he was positionally sound he he was making saves because he he read the game really well uh sure he, he was athletic he had to be because he's an elite athlete playing in the National Hockey League but he wouldn't wow you with the his saves he would he would basically give you stop 28 of 31 shots most nights and give the or 28 of 30 and, and give the Islanders a chance to win similar to, to Thomas Grice who who um uh played basically the same way very sound positionally then you had Leonard who who kind of combined that stuff reading the game really well with size and then Varlamov who I think you can say is much more like Halak a better version of Halak where he's he's very sound good thinker of the game i think and, and go with like rebound control and, and kind of just controlling the chaos in front of him uh and, and and putting out little fires but and then and then there's 
Sorokin, who <laughs> is all those things. And then an incredible, incredible athlete and, and just someone who, yeah, he's not, he's not Dominic Kasha because nobody is. And, but the, the point I was making when I would always say like, he, we don't know a ceiling. It could be Dominic Hasek is because I haven't ever seen an Islanders goalie outside of Rick DiPietro, who was none of the things that I was talking about with Yara Halak <laughs> and Simeon Varlamov, where he's just reliable and was always in the right, right spot and reading the game. Right. He, but he was that athlete and a guy who could, Oh, Rick is way out of position. He's going to have to get across the crease and snap his glove and he would get there and do it. And sometimes he wouldn't. Yarmer mm-hmm. Yager would pick the, the corner on him and everyone would be like, what the hell was Rick just doing? Um, but Sorokin it blends that athleticism with with being able to read the game, and he's just—I've never seen an Islander goalie like this. And mm. that's what it, you know. It, we're we're talking about. We always talk about every team fan of every team talks about eras, and you know, this is the Barry Trotz era, or is this the Matt Barzell era? Is is it maybe going to be the Noah Dobson era? I, think, I mean, it's it's becoming increasingly obvious that Sorokin is the Islanders most important player mm-hmm. um, going forward because he's good enough. I mean, you just look across the river, what's going on with Shesterkin and, and he's every bit as talented as Shesterkin. And when I think they were in the KHL, Sorokin was the better goalie. Uh, you know, this year, I think it was a little different. The two teams were playing a very different, or two goalies were playing very different environments. Um, but that kind of season it's probably coming for Sorokin at some point uh, for the Islanders, like the, the, the type of season that the vet, the, the clear Vezina's favorite season uh, is probably coming from, from him uh, for this team. And when you, when you, when you, when you watch him and in, in these, in these performances, it, it's mesmerizing. I, I will, I will never forget the, that Penguins game five last year um, with him and goal because he was, it, it was like the, it was like a ballet basically where he was the only person on the ice that mattered. And it was just a matter of time before the Islanders won him that game. And mm. they did it obviously in hilarious fashion with, with Josh Bailey picking <laughs> off that pass from Tristan Jari, which was, you know, just gave you a really funny dichotomy of, of the two goalies at that point. Mm. But, um, cause he's, he, you know, there's, there are some goalies like when you can't beat them, it's because they're bigger than a house and, mm. uh, they're just standing on their head. But with Sorokin, you know, that, that, those performances kind of carry into the next one, into the next one. I mean, he, what, what did he make? 87 saves on like 92 shots or something over those two games, played the back to back, was just, just lights out. And he does it in a way that is, it's not like as much, uh, it's, it's a, it's a blend of everything. And uh, the more and more we watch him and, and kind of learn about him and learn, who who he is as a goalie like the more and more you're like you know this you can put a pretty mediocre team in front of this guy and he might like you know like you Saros is done with the predators or something like that like he he might be you know three or four years from now the reason the islanders make a playoff run, uh, run or make it to the playoffs with a with a bad team in front of him yeah. so uh yeah long long may this guy be an <laughs> islander because uh he's it's really really hard not to like him and and he's starting to starting to turn some heads i think around the league because it's most people just haven't been paying attention to the islanders if we said a couple episodes ago this year they have an excuse not to and nobody you can't blame them islanders pretty uninteresting um but he he's like 
when when he's been stopping in Montreal, like putting that that performance on in Montreal against Carey Price, it yeah. was impossible for people as as hard as they tried. It was impossible <laughs> for people not to notice. Uh, and I think he's going to. Uh, he is. He is serious. Clearly, the Islanders' most important player going forward. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I I agree with everything you said. I I think it people are starting to notice that you know there's the names on the list are all playoff teams, all teams that you expect to be there, all guys that you expect to be there. And then there's one that's sort of standing out as far as like, Hey, wait a minute, where did this guy come from? Uh, I'm looking at the, uh, in the NHL page right now and goals against the Islanders are uh, sixth in the league, which is pretty good considering that they're, you know, not in the playoff picture at all. Vancouver is right below them. And, and as far as like, you know, goal differential goes, they're only a minus two. And Dallas and LA, which, you know, were and maybe still are in the playoff picture, are actually also actually LA is minus four. So I mean, there are good things to see there, and most of them come from uh Ilya Sorokin. And um yeah, I, I think the other thing too is that this is really his first uh real taste of the NHL. Obviously in the bubble, he he couldn't play, he did a lot of practicing, learning of English. The year later was the condensed season. You know, he played about half the games with Varlamov, but still, I mean, half of 56-game season is whatever it is, 20, 23 games or whatever it is, uh, something like that. And now, you know, he's going to have played essentially half an NHL season. Uh, he's got uh, 48 games right now. So he's kind of acclimating to the schedule, the pace, although, again, the pace of this season has been a complete uh chaos because of the way it's kind of worked out but you know he's getting he's getting more used to that and i think you know he's still prone to to ones i mean again he was not great in that second game against the penguins i think that's fair to say and there have been some other games i'm looking at right now where he he you know not that he's not the reason the islanders lost obviously there's been a lot of reasons why they've lost a lot of games this year but you know he hasn't quite been up to snuff um and i think you'll start to see those kind of taper off as he gets used to kind of managing the schedule, managing his his practice time, his his body, and that kind of thing, and yeah, I mean, at some point he's going to get to a, a level, like you said, where he can he can carry a team that might not be playing all that well to uh, victories and ultimately maybe a playoff spot. That game you were just talking about against Montreal was inarguably the coup de gras <laughs> of this yeah. week. Um, we're going to talk all about Mike Bossy in the second half of the episode, so we'll just focus on the game right now, but. Um, you know, it was, it was an emotional game, not only for the Islanders on, you know, after the news of Bossy's passing, but guess who's back on the other end of the ice? It's Carey Price. And, you know, the Habs, the Habs have been eliminated from play, the playoffs forever this season, basically. And so this was an enormous, enormous thing for the Island, for the, the Habs to get Carey Price back. He's out of the, the league assistance program. He's such a likable guy. He took him to the cup final last year. Like this was an enormous, enormous undertaking. And, the Habs were very respectful to Mike Bossy, but it was pretty clear if you were on social media or you're watching anything, the focus that night was on Carey Price, his return. Who cares where the Habs are in the standings? Carey Price is back. It was a big deal for them. And, oh, by the way, who stole the spotlight from both Mike Bossy and Carey Price? It's Ilya Sorokin, who made 44 saves, his career high, after setting a career high <laughs> four nights earlier against Pittsburgh. In a shutout, his seventh, he was uh, second in the NHL. I, I think he still is. He ties Chico Resch for a team record for season shutouts in a season. He's still got, you know, two weeks uh, worth of games to to top Chico. 
I've said for a long time, Chico to me is one of, if not the single most underrated Islander of all time. And the fact that this guy's records still stand after he, you know, 42 years after they traded him to Colorado is pretty remarkable. Um, but uh, it was it was a pretty spectacular performance, and it was zero zero through two periods until the Islanders broke through. And I mean, it was the Habs get you know they came out ready to win that game. They wanted to win that game for Carey Price, and the Islanders either they were tired or they were you know bummed out by the the bossy news or whatever it was. They didn't play all that that well until the beginning of the third period where they picked up two goals real quick. We're gonna have to talk about Zach Parisi in depth at some point because this season has been really right. He's got fifteen goals. 15 goals for Zach Parisi, and they scored on a three on O. I mean, come on. Like, how does that even happen? <laughs> how does that happen? I don't even know. I don't know. Parisi, like, I, I, I can't remember if it was Kevin Kurtz who has been <laughs> just kind of hilarious over the past couple of weeks, the way he's covering the team. It's it's almost like the Islanders just didn't exist until he got here, and right. he's, he's like pointing out, like, oh, if you, if you, Zach Parisi, if you didn't think he's going to score 20 goals or has a chance at 20 goals, like you're lying. Whereas mm. everybody in, in Islander country uh, for the first couple months of the season when Parisi was going through that incredibly darkly funny stretch of, <laughs> of snake bittenness, he right. everyone was like, he's, this guy's going to end up with 20 goals. Every every <laughs> every fan I talked to, and they loved him. Everybody right. was in, you know infatuated and loved him, and they still do. And he's, he's so happy he's back. And also – Important to point out, him and Barzell work really well together as yeah. a one-two. Finding the third person in that line on that line has, has been the challenge. challenging. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> Kiefer Bellows on a three-on-zero was almost was about an inch short of being off sides, and then um, <laughs> and then kind of just like almost played defense on it. And right. he just he doesn't look like he can keep up with the level of thinking and hard work that you know the thinking that Barzell does, and then the hard work. And just going to the right spot that Parisi does, so uh, you know that's obviously enough a problem for us to solve. But uh, it's it's something to point out. And but yeah, Parisi, man, like when you when you when we're going to look back on the season, I think the Islanders are going to be se- separated into two groups and uh, the players, and it's going to be guys who performed really well and, and and met expectations or exceeded them, and then the guys who 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 underwhelmed. And there's going to be probably much more in that latter group. But there's Parisi is is firmly in that former group, despite the fact that he scored two goals or one goal for the first two months of the season. Right, really, really impressive. It it really is, and and I mean, on one hand, you're like, do you really want your 23 year old star playing alongside and being very, you know, having a lot of chemistry with like a 36 year old former star? Frankly, I don't care because this guy has endeared himself. He's already signed for next season, and and I want to see more what he can do. And like you said, if they can find somebody else on on that other wing to to make that line even more dangerous and more consistent on a scoring level, um, that's that's what they're looking for. That's what you want. I don't think they're going to be all three on O's, and I still have no idea. I've watched that play four or five times. I still have no idea how it ended up that way, but uh, it was pretty hilarious. And then Noah Dobson, who we've talked about at length, having a great season. Uh, all all year long, um, he scored a, a, about two minutes later. Nice little sort of shake and bake move, and then a little slapper past Price. And uh, the Habs had all his own time basically for the rest of the third period. But Nelson sealed it with an empty netter. And uh, it was a it was a funny thing because, like again, it, you went in with the two big storylines being Price and Bossy. Bossy, you know, kind of lingered over the proceedings, but obviously. It, it, once the game started, that kind of sort of went away. And, and again, credit to the Habs 
for putting together a nice little video package for a guy who obviously was never played for the, for Montreal, but is tied very closely to the city and the province of Quebec. And then right immediately after that, it became the Carey Price show. And it was like, what's this guy going to do? What's going to happen? How's he going to look on his first game back? And he looked fine. But the other guy at the end of the ice was that much better. And, you know, it, by the end of the game, I, they were still talking about price. Uh, and I, it's funny. I was joking about him. Arpan Basu covers them for the, the athletic and, and his, his article afterwards was a very, a very beautifully written lyrical poetic piece about the magnificence of price's return. And I don't think at any point it ever mentioned that the Habs lost the game or that Ilya Sorokin had a 44 save shutout. Cause that's, that's really what the story was, but nobody really kind of wanted to cover it. They just, you know, it was, it was too much, too, too much, too many stories all at once. But uh, if you watched it, you came away thinking, holy crap, this guy, he's really, really something else. And and if if they had, you know, if a couple of things had broken here and there, yes, I know they're 15 points out, so it's more than a couple of things. But there, there's definitely an, an alternate universe version of this Islanders team that is comfortably in a playoff spot. You know, if they didn't have half of the things that went wrong for them this year and got this kind of performance that they, they would have been, they'd be golden. Uh, and you know, that's, that's at this point, the hope for next year, uh, because I mean, this guy's still only 26 years old and, and has a whole career ahead of him. This is his first quasi normal season Basically, in the NHL, yeah. right? So, and even um, then it's, it's not yeah, normal at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the, no- the normalist season he's had in the NHL, which it goes, mm. which really tells right. you something. Um, but I think, yeah, there, like you said, like there is, there is a, uh, alternate universe, and I think there are plenty of silver linings to talk about when, with the season, and and Sorokin is silver lining number one. Uh, Dobson, Parisi, for the little bit further down the list, Brock Nelson, of course. Like, uh, but one of them is that uh, since since that eleven game losing streak, like the team is thirty twenty one and four. That's a ninety six point pace about, and uh, after the holiday break, when they finally started to when we start to see them have uh, get players back, like, you know, Brock Nelson and Ryan Pollock started, you know, was, was getting closer and then ended up playing. Um, they're at a 97 point pace since then. And then since March 1st and March was their most, the most condensed schedule the team has ever played in a month. So yeah. since, the, since March one, they're at a 102 point pace and they're playing the, the most condensed schedule in the NHL since then. So um, it's, it's it, you can't you can't say okay like you can't just pick an arbitrary date and say okay let's start the season here and, and let these teams into the playoffs of course uh, but there are reasons to believe that uh, over the overall picture going forward is just not as bleak and it it really does begin and end with the guy in goal and the fact that I think he, I think everyone now can can start to see the logic of having having Farlamov stick around again next year, even at the five million, mm. because you have if you have those two guys and Varlamov also as he's been overshadowed by Sorokin, but of late he you know of, of, since he got healthy and and started play more regularly he was also really good. So if you have that in place, if you have two goal, you have a star starter, and then if Varlamov is easily the best backup in the NHL next year of mm. anyone that's signed. Um, it's hard to to be bad, <laughs> you know. Like you're not going to be like, like even this year with all the stuff that's gone wrong and right. uh, you know every, uh, the start that they had. They're 
they're not going to be they're they're going to finish ninth in the conference. Hmm. They're not going to finish 13th and and like like the Canadians or whoever. And it's because a lot of it is going down to their goaltending and there's no reason to believe even the goalies you, they come and go and it's an incredibly fickle position. This guy's entering his prime. This was his first NHL season like you said under under sort of normal circumstances next year mm-hmm. will basically be should be god willing completely <laughs> normal um so there's uh you know there's there's no reason to doubt that these guys will will be worth every penny and in getting this team back to where everyone thought it was and the <laughs> it's so funny because I, I think for the first time in my life the islanders didn't meet meet expectations this season i know it's, it's a weird feeling <laughs> it, it, it's because it's for, for the first time they had them right like they right. never had expectations before um and had they had they even come close to doing that like everyone would be would, would be horrified to play Ilya sorokin in a playoff series just like they will be of you know you soros and sterkin whatever um and so if you if the islanders can can get back to to where they are next year or where they where they if they can get back to where they were supposed to be this year, next year, then they have the kind of key to, to the castle in, in Sorokin and, and, and Varlamov and that there, there'll always be a team that can punch above their weight because of the, the, the ceiling that this guy has. It's, it's, it's truly, uh, it's truly fantastic. Yeah, no, definitely. That, that is all true. And uh, I was just looking up on cap friendly. So he's not a UFA at the end of next year, but the year after. So, uh, Hopefully the cap is nice and, and fat by then and they can sign him to a nice long-term uh, contract extension and uh, have him going uh, forever. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what we want. Um, real quick before we hit the break and and go on and, and talk about Mike Bossy. So the Islanders schedule, regardless of uh, the fact that they're out of playoff contention, continues. And Barry Trotz has said that, you know, they've just – They've played so many games. They've, they've basically played an extra game a week for the last you know month or two, and, and it's really kind of taking its toll on them. But they continue. So they have four games, I believe, this week, uh, including a back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. I know they played 1230. Yeah, they played 1230 on uh, Sunday against Buffalo, and then that's in Buffalo, and then they're home versus Carolina at one on Sunday. Before that, uh, they have a game against the Florida Panthers on Tuesday night at UBS at 7.30, the Panthers have won 10 games in a row. And with all due respect, let's be honest, they're, the chances of the Islanders breaking that that streak on Tuesday are very, very low. Now, it's hockey. Anything can happen. You never know. 10 games is a lot. But expect the Panthers to probably win that game. And also, by the way, the Panthers play the Red Wings, I think, on Thursday. So expect them to get to at least 12 games in a row uh, with victories, which would be something. And if, they, if the Islanders take it, hey, so much the better. Um, the Islanders do have a, their final date with the Rangers on Thursday, this time at UBS Arena. I guess that's the Rangers' first game at UBS. No, no, they played there back in November, so I guess forget it. Anyway, um, you know, they're yeah, that they're, was the uh, the Andy Andrioff game, I think, right? Right. Was, oh yeah, I guess. That, that might have been an MSG. That you want, want, well, no, that was Andrioff. Yeah, he, yeah. The Islanders hadn't scored in like two weeks, and then Andy Andrioff <laughs> broke broke the schneid because as as it happened. Because yes. uh, it has, because again, this, the sixth sense of humor this season has had that that had to happen that way. Uh, yeah, then then Buffalo, Carolina, and then two games with the Caps, and then the final game with the Lightning. So this is not an easy schedule to finish the season with, uh, especially when you're already out of the playoffs. Uh, and uh, will uh, so uh, this is our episode, uh, 
our 199th episode. And so we want to do something special for number 200. So we're thinking about um, taking a break next week, coming back the week after once the you know the season is officially over, and then we can have a couple of cool surprises for everybody, and then you know obviously get into into full uh, postseason uh, or I guess off season mode and uh, do that. So so if we take a break next week, don't don't be alarmed. But uh, yeah, this is a pretty rough schedule to look at, uh, and you know it, it's funny because like when the Islanders were still alive. I was a little bit like, oh man, if they can get through there, if they can make the playoffs after that schedule, boy, then they really earned it, you know? But now I'm looking at it like, how many of these games do I really want to watch? Like, I don't know. Definitely not the game against the Hurricanes uh, and maybe not even the Panthers, although I do got to confess, I I have grown fond of the Panthers this year. If I'm going to watch anybody in the playoffs, it'll be them. Um, Maybe I'll I'll watch the Rangers game. Those two Caps games, though, and that one against the Lightning. uh, I don't know. That's... Those are going to be kind of rough to sit through, um, but uh, yeah, this is this is not going to be a, an easy stretch for these guys. But as Barry said, you know they they've talked about it in the locker room over this stretch. You know, no games off. Like they're they're coming hard for every single one of these points, whether you know, regardless of of what it means. And, and I think you know, for all the stuff we've talked about next year, Sorokin's. You know what? What do they have? What What is going on, guys? You know, guys with line combinations, whether it's Barzell, Parisi, Pajot, uh, Palmieri, Lee Nelson, whoever. Guys like Sorokin trying to build that confidence for next year. Guys like Noah Dobson still again progressing. You know, these these might be the final seven games of Zdeno Chara's career or Andy Green's career. Like we don't know. So there there are storylines here to watch, even if the final scores of these games might not make you want to remember them uh there's stuff to watch here so uh yeah it's uh you know i I can't blame anybody for watching and for not watching any of them but uh at the same time uh there's there's a lot of curious things here that i think people are going to want to watch uh at the end of this season basically yeah i think uh the chara thing will be funny to watch in the australian football league like when a when a player gets a um hits a milestone like 200 games 500 games whatever sets a record at the end of the game the two teams do like a guard of honor uh mm. as they walk off and uh i just i wonder what you know that that ceremony is going to be like uh yeah and, and it's the, the islanders are such a peculiar team because usually when you are a, a zombie team and just playing out the string <laughs> it's you're cycling in guys that you might want to see play next year and maybe that mm. because you know they can they can make the team and um, you know, the Islanders are just this season and, and, and look, <laughs> we've seen plenty of, uh, teams like that, right? Like, mm. uh, where, where it's like, okay, like, yeah, maybe I'll, 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 I'll tune in tonight because like, I know that, uh, you know, Jesse Yoensu is playing or something, mm. whereas this team it's, it's, you're not, you're not really tuning in to see, oh, maybe John Gabriel Peugeot will, will stay hot and <laughs> whatever. Like, uh, it's not, that's not why you're doing it, but, um, and they don't have the young uh, up and comers. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll see like Simon Holmstrom get a call up and play a couple games uh, or something. I don't know. For those who are not on social media, Aturati was seen at the Mets Diamondbacks game this weekend. So, yeah, maybe the Islanders would want their prize prospect watching a Mets Diamondbacks game. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll never, may never know. But, uh, so what were you going to say? Yeah, like, like players like that. And, and, uh, right. you know, if they come in, like, obviously you, you'll tune in to watch them a little bit, but, uh, that this team just doesn't operate like that. I mean, yeah. Oliver Wallstrom's been a healthy scratch. He's yeah. there, and, and it does look it. like does you know we'll we'll talk uh, about the future of a lot of these players and yeah. in a coming episode after the season is truly done. But uh, with you know him and Bellows, it, it does look like um, 
those guys could could be on on <clears throat> on their way out and um but yeah they're, you're watching there are there are reasons to watch and i think Sorokin is is number one and then just the stuff this the sentimental stuff with with, with char and green and yeah. uh company at the end of the, the season uh is, is probably number two but yeah like you said um i'm, I'm probably picking and choosing my spots pretty carefully <laughs> over the next couple of weeks because yeah uh, these these i've watched so many of these these meaningless games over the over yeah. the 20 something years i've been watching this team and um well and this were, season has felt 20 years long yeah like that's that's my thing too like those games i i, I get i watch them to too i get what you're saying but this season has been such a slog i, I don't even yeah please no. just it's it's really a shame you can't just say all right we're out of it can we just please right. cancel <laughs> yeah exactly um but uh yeah so uh well and, and and i don't know if this might not be true i hope i'm not jinxing them if there is but i i think there's still an outside chance that Bridgeport makes the playoffs. So that's another thing to kind of watch too, some of these guys. But uh, yeah, so there you go. Uh, okay, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be all about bossy, of course. All right, come back with us on the other side. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And now a word from our sponsors. First, as always, VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos, Vintage Ice Hockey also carries our Al Arbor t-shirt, and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Use the code LONGISLAND, all one word, uh, to save 10% off anything in the store right now at VintageIceHockey.com. Betway is the official betting partner of the NHL. Play big pick for free anywhere in the U.S. or play for real residents in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Idaho, and Iowa only. Click the link in the podcast description to join. You must be 21 or over. Terms and conditions apply. Try wines from the Pinot Project. Delicious Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, and Rosé, all under $15 a bottle. Available at your local wine shops and at UBS Arena. Please play and drink responsibly. There are, I think we can reasonably say, three men that have claimed to the throne or the title of greatest New York Islander ever. Uh, one of them is Brian Trottier, arguably the most complete hockey player ever um could score over 500 goals over 1500 points i believe but defensively spectacular could hit could do it all and in an effortless way that always made him unfair to have on your team second would be dennis potvan the guy from whom really the franchise is built um for a long time was seen as maybe the second best defenseman in the history of the game behind bobby orr uh scored a ton again hit like a mac truck captain of four straight Stanley Cups, all that stuff. Um, you know, if anything, the tragedy of Pot Van's career is that he was 
he had a lot of crossover with guys like Ray Bork and Paul Coffey, who kind of stole a lot of his thunder. But for a long time there, there was Orr and Potvan and really not a lot of other people. And the third one is Mike Bossy, who passed away last week at the age of 65 due to lung cancer. Probably the most electric scorer in the history of the NHL, a guy who put up numbers that nobody had ever seen before or since, who in 10 years scored more than anybody and had his career gone on longer than that, would have probably outscored Gretzky or anybody else on the list. That's it. Those are the three guys. Now, the Islanders have had a lot of great players, obviously, during that that era, too. Clark Gillies. Uh, Bobby Nystrom, Bill Smith, and then even afterwards, Pat LaFontaine, Ziggy Papi. Like, we could sit here and talk about these guys all day and have all these great stories and all of these great memories and things like that. But of all those great players, even Trottier and Potvan, I don't think anybody reaches the level of legendary status the way Bossy did. And I tried to put this into writing a couple of times this weekend, and, and I don't know if I ever really did. Um, this guy's like name just simply transcends hockey. Like you just talk about bossy and all of a sudden visions come flooding back to your head, whether you're a guy like me who kind of saw him at the tail end of his career or a guy like you who's younger, like this guy almost, I mean, Gretzky has this too, obviously, but like bossy was ours. And like, he just did things that were superhuman that no person should have been able to do. And then just were like highlight level goals every single night, 60 of them a year, 50 of them a year in the playoffs, in the cup finals. I don't know anybody else that has that level. And I don't think anybody else playing today, maybe Ovechkin is the closest one, maybe Hashik too. But like his, his level was so much higher than everybody else's that it's almost unconscionable that this guy, that we shared a planet with this guy, let alone that he played on our hockey team. This little weird team that nobody ever talks about had Mike Bossy on it. And I don't know if I could really put that into words or if people can really understand this. This guy has been, he's like Bigfoot. He's like Superman. I don't know what else, how else to put this. He's just beyond hockey, beyond words really. And he is unfortunately gone now. And it's, it's hard to reconcile that. And I spent a long time kind of reflecting on that. And I don't really know what else to say. Like, I just don't know what, what to say about Mike Bossy that hasn't been said before, but it's just like, there's a feeling around him that I can't really describe when I hear the name and see the clips that you just get. And it's crazy. And uh, I, I hope he understands. I hope he understood that in his, in his life that how much he meant to us and how just insane some of that stuff was and how close to being a superhero he really was to a lot of us. It's just crazy. And, and it's sad that he's gone now. And I hope we can kind of reflect on that as a group and as a sport that he was that good and he was ours for just a little while. Yeah. I, you know, someone who was born in 1990, so missed all of his career and missed all the, the good times with <laughs> <It was> the <laughs> Islanders winning Stanley Cups. The 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 one thing I'll, I'll the first memory I actually have of of Mike Bossy and like kind of when it hit me because you know for for the first you know five six seven years that I was really getting into the Islanders and that uh, basically coincided with. Ziggy Palfi's emergence mm. and then Charles Wong taking over the team uh, in that series with the Leafs, et cetera. But uh, you, you just knew, you knew of like bossy and, and the dynasty guys uh, just, just through um, your know, stories, campfire stories, basically, <laughs> right? Like you'd hear, you're, you know, my dad or his friends talking about how those guys were 
uh, just cultural icons on the island. And then uh, you, you saw, obviously saw the jerseys every time you went to the, to the arena. But it didn't really dawn on me just like how good he was until uh, or, or just how important he was to Long Island and the Islanders until I think it was in the spring of 2006. Uh, the Islanders had uh, they were going through a tough season right after the lockout talking about, you know, zombie games. These were, <laughs> they were out of the playoff picture pretty much. And, uh, but they had a core four night, they called it where oh, I remember that. Yeah. And they had, I, I think it was the first time that a lot of those guys were back together since um, maybe it's Trottier's someone's retirement, uh, Jersey retirement. And they had uh, the, the, there's like bossy pot fan trottier uh and a few other guys just like they were riding around on a uh a, a pickup truck on the ice like before <laughs> the game kind of like just getting you know adulated or whatever and i after maybe the first intermission or so you, you went into the concourse and you know the, the guys were just kind of walking around and there was uh just this this mass of people in that downstairs kind of lobby mm-hmm. at the Coliseum. And they were all just, just like watching Mike bossy do a, a radio hit or a TV hit. And I just remember um, the amount of old dudes and I was 16 <laughs> at the time. So I don't know, how, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm probably an old dude to myself when I was 16 <laughs> at this point. So, but the amount of old dudes that I saw with like these bossy jerseys that were old and ratty, or even new ones that they got, you know, customized with his number, which I mean, it's just absurd. And like at that point, I think I started to like recognize the uh, kind of importance of what those guys accomplished. It wasn't just, it started to like dawn on me just how hard what, what they did was. And uh, it doesn't happen obviously without bossy. And he was the, the, the talisman of the group. He was the kind of the, the, the front man of, of this band and uh and one, one of the things that you know just always stuck out to me was that like he i think part of the reason that he it it never really dawned on me was because he was just like the other guys was kind of just always around like mm, right. if, if, if if wayne gretzky was walking around an oilers game there would be security details there would right. be um you know all this this how you know ballyhoo of 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 stuff like it, the TV cameras would be there. There'd be <laughs> 10 reporters getting every quote they could from him, asking him about his dad because mm. Canadian media is obsessed with his dad for some reason. <laughs> and um, like it, with bossy, he was just like having a cup of coffee in the concourse and talking to, you know, an electrician from, from Sachem or something, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it, it, I think that's part of the reason that it never like really struck me. Like until you started to get older and really realize what, what, what happened um, but that's probably why it never knocked me off my feet until then, because I'm like, no, that's just, you know, Mike Bossy. He's, he's just around at Nassau Coliseum. That's Clark Gillies over there. He's just kind of always around. There's Bobby Nystrom. He's got a bunch of car washes on Long Island. Like this is not, <laughs> these are, yeah. these are guys who like, they're incredibly approachable. I was saying that, uh, the other day that if, if you took a picture of like Mike Bossy and Clark Gillies and Bobby Nystrom from like three years ago, five years ago, whatever, hanging out at, um, I don't know, Vincent's clam bar and then put it next to a picture of, you know, my dad and his friends or my uncle and his friends or whatever. 
they basically look the same. The people right. would be different, but they'd be doing the same thing. And and that's, uh, I guess, uh, of, of, with all this stuff and, and these players, like the thing that's the best part of it all is like they were just became Long Islanders and Islander fans like like the rest of us, despite the fact that the Islanders are still here because of them. Like there was no, <laughs> there was none of that ego that you can like sense. There was no red velvet ropes around them. You just went up to them, you shook their hands, you said, Hey, thanks for for winning Stan- four four Stanley Cups in a row, and then you know made made a joke at them about them, and then walked away. And then the next person would shake their hands. It's uh, it's not like that anywhere else. No, no, I think that yeah, no, I think you just described sort of the Islanders thing. Like that's always been the way it is, and we talked about that with Clark Gillies. Like it was not unusual to like see Clark Gillies at any kind of charity event, or even at the gas station or as at the supermarket or at an Islanders game. Like you just said, you just pop into him like, Hey, what's going on? Uh, that's just the way it is. Like, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, and, that doesn't and, happen. And with bossy, like, like, like cause Clark Gillies is, is a team icon. Like, yeah, sure. He has a, a reputation around the league as, as one of the, the great power forwards of all time. Right. But like Mike bossy is one of the best NHL players ever. Yeah. And the fact that he too is like, the, like just around, <laughs> like we're talking like, for a while, it was like Gretzky, Lemieux, maybe a couple of those Canadian guys, Montreal Canadian players. But Bossy was always mentioned in like the top right. 10 players and best goal scorer of all. There's the best pure goal scorer of all time in this sport. And mm. he's just right over there uh, sitting next to, you know, Pig and Pickle talking to, <laughs> to talking to a couple people uh, as they're as they're waiting online to get, you know, their nachos. Yeah. And and the funny thing is, so well, actually, b- before I get into that, so I have a story like the, like the one you just described. So I tweeted a little bit about this when Bossy the news came out. But uh, I met him in I want to say ninety seven or ninety eight, uh, real quick. It was at Steiner Sports in Roosevelt Field. He was having an autograph signing before a game. I had a twenty fifth anniversary puck, and I got it. I waited online and I got it signed. And I met him. I was like, "Hey, boss, how are you doing?" He's like, "Great." I said, "He." You gonna be at the game tonight? He's like, no, I, I can't make it. I said, oh well, I'm sorry to hear that, but thanks for signing this. Take care. Thanks for everything. And he was like, oh no problem. I shook his hand real quick, and I walked away. And one of the guys working for the store was like, do you want a certificate of authenticity for that? And I was like, for what? He goes, for the puck you just got signed. I'm like, I just, I just talked to the guy. I saw him sign and I shook his hand. I, I think that's all the authenticity I need. I think I'm good. <laughs> and I now, obviously he meant this, you know, if you were going to sell it yeah. or you wanted it, you know, to bequeath to your children, which were not on my mind at the time, uh, you know, you would want this, but I, I wanted the opportunity to just talk to Mike Bossy for 30 seconds. Like that was it. That was all I was waiting for online. The fact that I had a thing for him to sign was almost kind of irrelevant. Um, but yeah, that's just how what like, and this was just at Roosevelt Field Mall. Like he just was hanging out there, and it wasn't like a big deal. People were just standing there, and there were dudes. There was a line of people behind me, same guys in those ratty old jerseys, being like, "Hey, boss, how's it going?" And he was probably there for three hours doing that. <laughs> so. And it's it, it like it's just that that stuff is not normal, and it's normal right. to us, but it's just not. Right. And, and that's what you know has made this in in. The season has just been, you know, one gut punch punch after another. It's, you know, they, we we went forever without losing any of these players, and then since yeah. January, it's been Clark Gillies and Jean Poffin, yeah, and now Mike Bossy, and it it does, it it's like it it kind of, in in, and I don't mean to be morbid, but like it just like makes you be like, oh God, I got to start like, um, appreciating 
the dynasty and the, the players around more and more and more and like what they meant to the team and to the island and whatever. Uh, it's like the fact that, that, that these guys like in, in f- three months or four months, whatever it's been, we, we went from, from every member of the dynasty still being around and, and, and the important guys, like the core guys, like really being around um, to, to now you know, three of them passing away. It's just, it's it's really just it's been it's been a really strange kind of it's i mean it's been a dark season all around and 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 that's and these are the kind of the darkest moments of it and and the the gillies the announcement like clark gillies when when they announced that he passed away is right after the islanders climbed above nhl 500 for the first time after that losing streak and all of a sudden everyone was like okay maybe we can start hoping and then that happened and just the wind got taken out of your sails and right um and then since then, like then then the Jean Pot fan thing, and that, and now Bossy, it's just it's it's almost like you're just like what what else is going to happen before the season ends? And it's it's making it's it's really just like unsettling, and it's so sad. It's just been such a sad, sad season, and, and what was supposed to be a, a, a jubilant one with with mm. the team being like for the first time ever being a permanent fixture with a permanent home. Yeah. Um, also, don't forget uh, Barry Trotz's mother passing away this year too. Obviously, she wasn't an Islanders Hall of Fame or anything, but you know, it's just just one other terrible sort of existential thing that have happened this year. And the guy I really feel bad for, honestly, is Brian Trottier, who's you know he he was part of this amazing line with Gillies and, and Bossy, and you know Trottier and Bossy were together for the better part of ten years. You know, Gillies was there probably way more than half the time, but there were other wingers that rotated in there. But still, like he knew Gillies from before he they even became Islanders and. Now both of those guys have have passed away, and and Trottier is the only one left, and it's really a very sad thing. And and obviously for Dennis Potvin, like he just lost his brother, like it's just it's right. been yeah, it's been just awful. And, and you and you wonder now, like look, this next year is the fiftieth anniversary of the team, right. and you lose two of its most important pieces of the the, the right. franchise's fabric, and you wonder if like next year we start, you know, these guys start to. And and I'm, I'm like I know I said earlier like they've they've always been around but for the past I think now that they're a little older it's just they're not around as as much as they were during uh, like that that's that era the the Yashin era let's call it um in in like the concourses and whatever but uh you know you, you just wonder if if these guys will start to see and hear more from them like Brian Trottier like who yeah. who who has been less around I guess is is a way to well, put I was gonna it. Say that- there are some guys that haven't been around that much. Like Lauren right. Henning is one and, and LaFontaine status, I think is still up in the air. Right. Too, and Tonelli too. Like he just, yeah. you know, came right. back obviously a couple of seasons ago. Like you wonder if like maybe these guys make a more of a considered effort now to, hmm. to, to come, to, to come together or whatever. And, uh, right. but um, you know, I hope they do. And uh, it's, but one, one other thing I just wanted to note about bossy. And I think I've told this story before um, when I went to Montreal to watch the Islanders, couple of seasons ago um there were a lot of islander fans at the game and um mo- i would i would you know go talk to them or see them and they'd be like oh you know let's go islanders but they'd have french canadian accents and you know, <laughs> oh you're an islander fan and they say yeah I'm, you know i'm a fan from quebec my dad was a fan my dad was a right. mike bossy fan like yeah the amount of people in in quebec and in, in the montreal area that are not canadians fans are be, be, and they they root for the islanders <laughs> because of one singular player is is right. 
it blew me away. Like, and, and they would just talk about, you know, like bossy and like how, you know, they, they don't, they don't miss Islander games because this guy of this guy. And I'd say it's probably mm. one of a very few, um, what do they call them? Like enclaves, like uh, of like, uh, it, there's like an enclave of Islander fans up there. And it's, it's, you're not going to find an enclave of Islander fans, uh, in, you know, in Nashville. And sure there'll be, there'll be some, <laughs> we've seen them with all these like meetup groups. Yeah. Right. But like, we're talking, you know, transplants from long Island, um, mm. you know, 20 or so people, these are people who grew up in another market with yeah. just one team and root, rooted for a team on Long Island. So it's uh, because, it's of, because one guy, of one guy. Essentially. Right. Yeah. And that that's actually the one that really got me the most. Obviously, the, you know, the current Islanders had a, had a lot to say and, and put stuff up in various places. But Anthony Beauvillier talked about how his dad idolized Mike Bossy, you know, another guy from Quebec and, and, you know, I mean, Bossy and, and Beauvillier aren't exactly the same player. They, they had a chance to meet a couple of times and you know, Beauvillier joked that he asked for a picture and Bossy said it made him feel old, but he wanted that for his dad because Bossy meant so much to him and, and he heard all the stories. I mean, Beauvillier, he's only 23 years old and he heard the stories of guys, you know, a guy that retired before he was born, like, like you just said, like yourself. So, um, you know, that really got to me because like that's, that's the kind of connection that you're talking about. Like, you know, this guy... He had not seen Long Island since before he played here, and he knew of the Islanders. He knew of Bossy. He knew knew of the greatness of him, and uh, and even though he he grew up in you know Canadians country, um, there's been a lot of really great stuff written over the last couple of days. Um, Larry Brooks, who obviously worked with that Islanders team, the Dynasty team, and covered them, he had a really nice thing to say, and he, you know he talked about. So Bossy being a different kind of guy, like he wasn't a partier. They didn't really go out that much. That's kind of why he and Trottier were close. They weren't the type of guys to go out and drink and, and carouse in the town. Although if you have read Bossy's book, Boss, uh, which I highly recommend if you can find a copy of it, there are a couple of stories in there. Uh, but but generally speaking, they, they would hang out in a hotel room, watch TV, watch movies, and just kind of be thick as thieves together. They went out with their wives and double dates and stuff. And that's, that's what they were. He was a quieter guy. And for him... His family, his wife, and then eventually his two daughters uh, were really the big thing to him. He did not live on the island. Um, you know, and eventually, I guess he did have a house on the island, but he wasn't like a guy like Jean Potvin or, or Clark Gillies or Bob Nystrom that settled here after retirement. Like he went back to Quebec and he obviously worked there for a long time in the corporate world and, and the broadcast world, but he never lost that connection to Long Island and he would come back pretty frequently. Um, and uh, I listened to the 32 Thoughts uh, podcast episode today. And they, of course, it ended up in a segue in the uh, 1984 Canada Cup and and the greatness of Paul Coffey for some reason. But when they did, where they did talk about Bossy, uh, Elliot Friedman brought up a good point, and he he said that um, he had read somewhere. I haven't I haven't seen this quote, but he said he read somewhere that like Bossy was asked about you know who who he envisioned himself being as a kid when he would think about sort of NHL success. And Bossy's answer was always like I thought of myself, like you know I'm the guy scoring the cup winning goal, which he did twice. I'm the guy lifting the cup. I'm the guy winning the scoring titles. And, uh, you know, he didn't think of himself as, I don't know, Guy Lafleur or Jill Perot or whoever would have been his, his idol. He, or rocket Richard, he thought about himself doing that stuff himself. And it reminded me of a thing I read once about another virtuoso who, uh, changed the game and, and dominated the eighties, like few others in his field, uh, Eddie Van Halen, who is also, sadly passed away from cancer a couple of years ago. And 
you know, when people would ask him what bands he grew up listening to, he didn't really have an answer. Like he, you know, it was a little bit of cream, maybe a little Montrose, whose lead singer was ironically Sammy Hagar. But other than that, he didn't really like grow up kind of like, you know, absorbing records and trying to be like, you know, Richie Blackmore or Jimmy Page or Tony Iommi or any of these guys. Like he wanted to be himself and he wanted to learn his own thing and be his own thing. And obviously, you know, he was like he changed the game and and that was their style was was his own thing. And a lot of that came from just being having the confidence in yourself to, you know, not that, not that, you know, walking in somebody else's shoes or being influenced by somebody is a bad thing necessarily, but some people just are operating on a whole other level and they're just operating on a level where they're, they want, they have their talent and they want to explore their talent in the way that they want to do it. And guys like Mike Bossy and guys like Eddie Van Halen, they just did that. And then what's what makes them icons. And, um, it really sucks that they're both gone. <laughs> and, and, you know, I try and, you know, I get into these kind of jags and I talk about my, you know, I tell these things to my daughter. Like I said, we were watching Rocky four the other day and, you know, I was going off on a whole thing about the Rocky trilogy and, or the, you know, the Rocky movies and all the history. And then somehow we segued into uh, Star Trek and th- that history and those movies that I saw too. And I don't know if she's really paying attention to any of this stuff, but I think it's just for me a way to kind of like, get out these feelings <laughs> that these people who, who I grew up with and, and watched a lot and mental, it means a lot to me. You know, I, I didn't know them personally, obviously, but like you have those memories and you just want, you want their history and their memories to carry on in another generation that didn't grow up with them. And I don't know, she has her own people. I have my own, but I'm, I'm hoping that something sinks in. And, you know, at some point, you know, when she's older and an adult, she'll be like, yeah, there was that time my parents and I all watched, the first four Rocky movies and my dad kept telling me about my Mr. T and, and Dolph Lundgren and how, you know, Bridget Nielsen and Stallone were married and it's a whole, and Paulie's got a robot girlfriend now. It's a whole thing, but uh, you know, she could carry at least a little bit of that knowledge along with her. Uh, even if, you know, this is sort of not, not necessarily her era. And then she could add, combine it with her own experiences. That's what I hope anyway. <laughs> and it's a lot easier with, with characters like, uh, you know, with Mike, Mike Bossy and, right. and Clark Gillies for that stuff to, to have an impact compared to, you know, Kip Miller and you know, <laughs> oh, here, here are my heroes. Mike Here's, Sillinger. Yeah. yeah. Mike Sillinger. And, and oh, why did you like this guy? Well, it's because all, right. all I had, um, <laughs> you know, but it, <laughs> I, I, I do, I do think it's, it's, it's funny. We've, we've, we've started to talk, talk on it. I do think we're, we're really, uh, this would probably be a theme going forward with, with the Islanders and um, the 50th anniversary is that they're really, is uh, a, a new generation of, of fan kind of starting to emerge. And, um, you know, we, it was always the, you were either a fan from during the dynasty years or post dynasty years. Uh, and that was it. Cause the Islanders didn't cultivate an, a, any new fans for, for a while, <laughs> except for, right. for, for, for me and, and, and a, a couple, you know, thousand other, um, you know, sadists who who thought that watching yeah watching mike sillinger was 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 worth it um and uh but now with with the the success they had and even you know that last that first last year at the coliseum and 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 the success the the modest success they had in tavares's few uh yeah. final few years and and then of course the the success that they had under in trots like we're we're starting to see that um this this kind of new generation of, of fan emerge and it's 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 really really great like it's 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 awesome i've been waiting 
for so long to, to kind of notice this. And, and it, it truly is noticeable. Like there, there are new fans, new fans that are new Islander fans. Like you, you see Islanders hats around mm. town. I remember during the, that lockout short in the year 2013, when the Islanders were making that run to the playoffs, I would, it would, it would be impossible to get the Islanders on at a bar with my friends. And mm. you would, the bartenders would usually joke, oh, you know, I don't know what channel they're on. Like nobody ever asked for the <laughs> Islanders and you'd, there would be nobody else. You could, you could go days and days and days during the meat of the NHL season without seeing mm. the Islanders logo. And now it's every day. Like you walk, right. I'm walking the dog Islander logo. There's Islander flags popping up around the neighborhood and stuff. And um, the, the, the kind of thing is like that it does seem like even with this new generation who are now three or four decades removed from the dynasty, they have the, the same appreciation um, for it that, that every other, the preceding generations have had. And um, they, they understand it. Like it seems like a lot of these, these people understand a lot better than I, than I did when I was kind of coming of age as a fan mm-hmm. too. Um, and I think, you know, maybe part of that is because when I was coming of age as a fan, like, I hated the Islanders because they sucked. (laughs) I didn't want to hear about the dynasty anymore because I want to see the Islanders succeed with my own two eyes and um, not wilt out of the playoffs and get excited because, Oh, Dustin Cohn's playing tonight. I wonder if he's going to be any good. Uh, I'm, I'm actually going to, you know, like now that I've seen some success and, or, uh, you know, I, I, I understand it uh, better and it it took a while, but um, these, these folks, these, these new, newer fans, kind of got it right off the jump and uh the the i think that you're know, going back to what you were saying like this there's no um doesn't seem like there's any danger of of the 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 kind of mystique of the dynasty and and mike bossy of being um you know diminished at all with with mm-hmm. the the new fan base that's that's starting to really emerge around this team if you had given me a hundred guesses as to what other Islander would be mentioned during the Mike Bossy portion of this <laughs> episode, I don't think Dustin Cohn would have ever even almost come up. If you give me a thousand guesses, I don't think I would have yeah. come up with him. But. Well, yeah, I mean, you think about it from from you know, there is never, there's no Dustin Cohn without Mike Bossy. That know? is true. That <laughs> is one hundred percent true. The Islanders would have been long, long gone. Yeah. Um, so Friday, I mean Tuesday is there for we talked about this against the Panthers is their first home game since the passing of Mike Bossy and I think we could all reasonably expect some sort of uh, you know lengthy ceremony and uh, and you know tribute to him. Um, it ha- it has been a little bit weird that they didn't do uh, like a straight up alumni game this year, but I guess you know they had enough kind of going on with UBS they're, Arena. They're but- doing something at Northwell Rink, like an alumni game against the Rangers alumni. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I did see something like that. So, yeah, maybe they'll do that. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that final home game, I don't know, against against the Lightning, maybe they'll do something there too. But, I mean, there's obviously – we've got a long time, and if anything, they'll they'll do it next year. And and I would expect something there too, uh, you know, to, to commemorate both Gillies and, and Potvin and um, Bossy all at the same time. So uh, we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, – really looking forward to just getting these last two weeks over with and then moving on because yeah. it's, you know, again, without sounding too flippant or, or insensitive, it, it's never good when your team's uniform has two sort of tribute numbers on it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's nine and there's 22 now. And it's, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not criticizing the Islanders for doing that. You, you have to, and it's the least you could do really, you have to do something, but that's, that's never good. You know, and it's it's really a shame that that's kind of happened that way. And now, whenever I see 
the uniforms or pictures from this part of this season, I'll remember, oh, right, they were eliminated from the playoffs, and that was the year that, that Gillies and John Potvin and Mike Bossy all, all passed away. And it's just, it, it just again, it, like you said right off the jump, it's this very, this awful season just has a way of sticking with it either through some kind of morbid humor or just something straight up morbid. Uh, you know, this is just the way the season has gone. And it's, I, I really can't wait for it to be done, to be perfectly blunt and just wash away of, of the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's getting close. Thank God. I mean, yeah, I, I'm almost, I think one thing I'm going to think about when, when we look back on the season two is that how did we get through, you know, oh, January or be like, wow, there's still 30 games left or 40 <laughs> games left. And how did we get through? Like, how did we yeah. get through the season is, is probably going to be the, uh, the I was main saying that in theme. December when there were 30 right. games, when there were 50 games left, because their first, the first three, two months were a total hash, you know? Right. So, yeah. And it's just, it's, right. yeah, that's, I think that is the, the, the main kind of crux <laughs> of the season is just, yeah. Right. How did, how did we get through it? I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, but at the same time, it, it makes next, like the home opener next year when it comes and six months mm. away. Um, so it's a long time away and who knows what, what the world has in store for us over these next six months. But <laughs> it does make that game. Uh, it's just going to, it's going to feel so good to know that the slate is clean. Right. It cannot knock on wood. <laughs> it cannot get any worse and i mean sure the record could like who knows what happens on on the ice but just in terms of the the absolute you know shithousery that the universe has thrown at the islanders over the past six months that it can't get much worse than what we saw it can't get more bizarre let's put it that way yeah right that's the right way to put it right because there won't be a 13 game road trip arena opening yada yada all that stuff but yes but we need to suck it up and deal with seven more games <laughs> until that <laughs> happens. But, uh, but like we said uh, a little while ago, um, we're probably going to take next week off and then come back with episode 200 a week after once the season is concluded. Like I said, we have a couple of surprises hopefully in store uh, that we'll, uh, we'll bring to you to celebrate. Cause uh, it's pretty cool. 200 episodes. We've had a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, and we'll, we will look in, I guarantee we'll, we'll talk about that, but also uh, you know, where the others can go this off season changes that can be made and uh, whatnot. And maybe we'll even take a peek in at what's happening at the actual NHL playoffs. Although that remains to be determined. Uh, uh, in the meantime, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Read his work at Action Network. Uh, you're recording both Line Change and Wonder Gold today, right? Is that is that true? Yeah, the uh, Wonder Gold was uh, this morning came out, and then the yeah, Line Change will be out tomorrow, there and then go. again Thursday for both of them. And Yeah. Yep, with the NHL playoffs coming, uh, it should be uh, pretty busy. And, and, and insanely, NHL favorites have won 22 games in a row. I saw you tweet that. That's it's crazy. Just, They're ruining the end of the season. You guys got to give us a bone here. Like, we're just, it, you know. <laughs> it, the, it's the, the season, this, the past two seasons have just been a slog. And, and mm-hmm. like, this, it's just that that's the cherry on top that, like, this, <laughs> this league is like, it needs almost like a little bit of a reset at some point. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, there's a lot of chalk out there. But uh, but yeah, so so check out Mike's uh, podcast there, and uh, we will have a very special, very special uh, Weird Islanders this week uh, that you will not want to miss. I promise, I'm not spoiling anything. 
We have a great guest who has come up with a great concept for an episode uh, to increase the difficulty level uh, just a little bit because that's the way he is. But that's it. Nothing else. You'll find out in a couple of days. We're going to record that tomorrow. Actually, we're going to record that Tuesday. Look for that either Wednesday night or Thursday uh, later on this week. And uh, that's about it. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, pay tribute to Mike Bossy any way you can and make it through these last seven games any way you can. And uh, we will talk to you uh, in a couple of weeks uh, for our 200th episode. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.